Hi everybody, this is Tanner. Welcome to the first episode of Crit Happens, our actual play D&D podcast. What you're about to hear is going to be the session zero for our Crit Happens Spelljammer campaign. A session zero is when the D&D group gets together and they talk a little bit about their characters and what really to expect from the campaign as a whole. So me and some of the other players are going to be talking a little bit about their characters, what we want to see in the campaign, and maybe some questions we have for the DM. Justin, who's our DM for this campaign, is then in turn going to tell us a little bit about what we can expect from the story, as well as maybe some things that we'll encounter in the different worlds that we'll be inhabiting here in this campaign. Now, unfortunately, we were missing one of our players during this recording session, and so, thanks to the magic of audio editing, we'll let him introduce himself right now for you. Hi, uh, my name is Bryce. Uh, I'm playing the character Auntie Janet. She's an older woman. She's also a warlock. And she is, uh, she's done a lot of demonic things in her time, a lot of undead things, and uh, they're a little frisky. But anyway, uh, <laughs> she is ready to slay. She's ready to kill. She is ready to make people uncomfortable. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks, Bryce. Our first session is going to be coming out next Friday, November 18th. So make sure that you stay tuned for that. But without any further ado, we give to you Crit Happens Session Zero. Hope you enjoy. to session zero of Crit Happens. I'm Justin Anderson, and I'm going to be leading this astral shenanigans across the high seas of the astral plane. Hello, everybody. My name is uh, Trey Steele. I will be playing uh, Gildrax, a gemstone dragonborn psionic fighter uh, here in Justin's Spelljammer campaign, interestingly enough. Hello, uh, I'm Tanner Savage. I'm going to be playing my dwarf artillerist artificer. His name is Darjib Powderfoot, but everybody calls him Jib, the Jibbernaut, the Jibberwocky, or whatever other nicknames he so chooses to be known as or known by. And yeah, I'm excited to be here. I will be the heavy gunner. Darjib loves his uh, loves his gunpowder. Oh, this is exciting. Okay, uh, I'm Heather. Uh, I'm playing a plasmoid wizard right now named Gloom Glumdrop. She's going to be amazing, very superstitious, and she's here as a support character. Y'all, get ready to be supported. Hi, um, my name's Lorian, and I'm playing a druid fairy named Cher, also known as Cherry Blossom, but she doesn't like that name because it sounds a little too fairy, so she goes by Cher. But she's going to be a uh, circle of the stars, so hopefully in the Astral Sea she'll be able to help kind of navigate. Are there stars in the Astral Sea? Uh, yes, there okay. is the, the stars of the far-off spheres, as they're called. Sick. Perfect, perfect segue, Lorian, yeah. as we go into what the heck we're all doing here. Yeah, yeah so at session zero, we, we got to cover a few things. Uh, I want to cover your characters as well as the general setting of Spelljammer. It is you take D&D and you put it in space with all the high fantasy mm -hmm. shenanigans that you can acquire along the way. So you will literally encounter galleons that have been refitted for space travel using a what is called a spell jamming helm 
which uses a spellcaster's magics to fuel it and travel, I think, 100 million miles per day. They go zoom. <laughs> but, it, you know, you have to go fast to travel the vast emptiness of the Astral Sea. And there are gelatinous cubes in the Astral Sea that just like, um, float around? My cousin, I, that's I, my cousin. There are, as I've called them, acidic nebulas. Acidic nebula? Yeah, they are a semi-sentient nebula that will just float into ships and hopefully get some yummy food off of it. Also <gasps> known as Ohio. <laughs> yes, the cryptid Why Ohio. Why did you have to bring Ohio into this train? I, I have it, to bring... It, it, hey, he, he comes from the sphere of Ohio. Yes. Oh, that's the, I, I hail from Ohio. <laughs> yeah. He's Ohioan. I, I'm Ohioan. So... The general idea of uh, the Spelljammer campaign is there is a huge kind of mythos going around right now of following a specific pirate. Uh, he has many monikers, but most call him Bloody Gills. Uh, he is actually a were shark that, due to the Astral Sea not having a time, has never t gotten out of his curse, and so it just lingered on him. Even when he eventually entered other spheres where time went normally, his curse has taken on parts of the Astral Sea and is now timeless. So he is always in his were-shark form. People know he was a murderer, that he was mainly a, just a serial killer that just stole everything from everyone and eventually got an occult following of psychopaths and realized, hey, I can turn this into a business. Collecting pieces of art and mus uh, musical instruments and uh, certain like treasures just in general, but he was very uh, attuned with arts. He loved arts. Uh, eventually, though, when he started to get older, as the curse didn't make him immortal, he started to want to torment many more people, even in his afterlife. So he left his treasure somewhere hidden. So you have to find the only clues he left behind to find his treasure, which is supposed to be so much that it couldn't even fit on a planet. He left behind several pieces of sheet music that you have to find that will give you hints and clues and that will also are supposedly the key to unlocking the treasure. We're going to start in a small sphere called the Ebony Delta Sector. It is a gloomy nebula that is surrounded by ionic gases and very it's very hard to see anywhere past. A lot of the astral sea you can see for a long distance before the haze takes over. But this is such a thick, smoggy kind of area of the nebula that you just can't see more than maybe 10,000 feet in front of you. There is a small sphere with a dim star. It is kind of a weird system as it has a lot of wild magic nodes where magic just freely flows in and out. And a lot of people here that are spellcasters don't really understand what they're doing. They're just kind of grabbing magic and throwing it and hoping it does something. The general idea for the start is uh, you guys are going to be enslaved by some uh, mind flayers. And so you don't know what happened. You have vague ideas of when you were taken. You don't know how long it's been, but you know that you eventually regain consciousness after the mind flare that is controlling you guys has met his untimely end as you guys regain consciousness in a middle of some chaos. So what you're saying is I should just leave the starting gold blank. Yes, you will not have any starting equipment. Very good. Cool. That saves a lot of oh, headache on my man. end. So yeah. none yeah. at all? None something. at all. No oh, gold, okay. I don't no even armor. Have a staff? Oh, well, wizards no can't armor. have armor. No, no armor, no staffs. <laughs> oh, no. You guys are going to have to scrounge <sighs> in the first little bit for whatever you can find. That's oh, going to be no. a wonderful um, armor class. Do I, I have my book, though. 
As a wizard? No. Nope. <laughs> As a wizard, I have my book. You'll have you'll, you'll right? have you'll have some cantrips you can keep I memorized. Have my book. Nope. <laughs> can I keep a sling? No. Come you on. are you are completely enslaved. You, you, are. you just are in like a mind flare pod. While everybody's asking for suggestion, can I have a walking and talking the list that follows me around and does my bidding? Sure. Okay, no, great. Oh, yeah. See? Okay. You guys just have to ask for reasonable oh, things. Yeah. Come on. This there are quite a few factions of the setting. Most of them are known as uh, the Great Legions. They're uh, the uh, civilizations, like who owns what territory. It may not be I own the planet, but it's like I control this territory and I actively patrol it. There are quite a few. There's there are the Scale Guard, who are a coalition of lizard folk, kobolds, half dragons, and dragons, who actually have all come under one great solar worm. It is a sun dragon who have all come under his leadership. They allow any color of dragon, but he very strictly enforces there is no infighting. So metallic dragons have to work with chromatic dragons or you're out. There's also an interesting note. Kobolds, for some reason, seem to gestate into lizard folk when they come under this rule, and lizard folk turn into half-dragons or dragonborns, and then dragonborns turn into half-dragons and so and on. Half so dragons turn, do half-dragons turn into dragons? They turn into, they turn into worm dragons. They turn into uh, dragon worms. But that leaves a lot of room for growth. It does not happen fast. It takes years. So like a kobold might take 20 years to turn into a lizard folk. And then a lizard folk might take twenty more years to turn into a dragonborn. They they progress into different and more yeah. and more powerful dragons. That's right. I like yeah. that. What That's are some other cool. What are some other I of like the that. like factions uh, and things like that that we can possibly like encounter in things? There is the is there like a is there like a craftsman or dwarf? Because Darjib is a dwarf. There is the dwarf federations. They are oh, the, they are the oh. iron clans. They are actually known for taking asteroids, hollowing them out, and making mobile fortresses. I like this plan. This um, is a good plan. Dwarves not <laughs> dwarves are very superstitious of magic, um, so they don't have a good way to power spell jammers. But they're amazing can I, can I? craftsmen, so they have specialized helms that are actually giant forges, where they forge items and through the raw power of creation they power their ships. I have so a question. So mining out the asteroids and stuff like that actively powers the ship. Can Darjib not use magic? Yeah. Okay, because yeah, he's an artificer, so and I was like, what if I just didn't, it, it wasn't magical, <laughs> yeah. it's literally just I have so many machines that do stuff. Yeah, so dwarves I use, would love that. Dwarves have a weird, not like psionic energy, they have a, <clears throat> it's like a, it's like a creation magic. They have a, they don't use magic, but their creation channels magic. So like you like twisting nuts and bolts together just naturally harnesses magic and can cause this effect to happen. For example, like say you mix like two chemicals together to make a bomb or something. Mm -hmm. It's perfect because dwarves have that magic that and like helps them channel that together, even though they do it subconsciously. They don't have any control. They're they're just blessed with the being, being super creative and being able to do whatever the fetch yeah. they want. There is the tyrant's conclave. They are a they are the uh, beholders. Um, so to run into a tyrant conclave ship is to die is to guarantee a fight. Or to guarantee run away. <laughs> bad bad news bears. You don't want to yeah. go in there. Um, they have a they the re they are one of the most powerful as they are beholders and several beholders getting together is terrifying. Yeah. Do they have a lot of like? I mean, we're talking about a lot about kind of like what these factions are. Do they have a lot of organization? It sounds it sounds like they the, do not. Okay. They the tyrants suffer. the tyrants don't have a they lot of organization. They suffer from a lot of infighting. Okay. And so while they're a terrifying force if organized. 
they're rarely organized because they fight so much with each other. And what was the other one? The Scaled Legion or something like uh, that? So there's the Scaled Guard. Scaled Guard, um, the Tyrant. The Tyrant Conclave, the Iron Clans. Iron Clans, all right. Um, the, the Sylvanas, which is the Elf, the Elven Peacekeepers. Ooh, I like that. They're, uh, they're very uh, nature They want everyone to, like, keep calm and just share. It's like, but, but they will throw down it, it like in a second. They are ready to. They are ready to rip. They they have some of the most terrifying like actual warships. One of my flaws. I can't remember if it was one of my flaws or my personality traits, but I can look it up real fast for you. But one of my flaws um, is like I hate competition, and I want to be like. I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. Uh, but to, to make <laughs> them is your real test. Exactly. And to yeah. Train them as your cause. Yeah. So my, my ideal for so so Jib's ideal is I work hard to be the very best there is at my craft, and I kind of so I was thinking maybe I could possibly have been a part of the uh, the Iron Clans. Yeah. And then like worked in part of their coalition, and then uh, perchance was. Uh, exiled or something. I haven't figured out one of my bonds, but I, I loved one which is like I, my the enemy who destroyed my homeland or the workshop. Oh, here it is. Here it is. I will get revenge on the evil forces that destroyed my place of business and ruined my livelihood. Which I think I think could be a great because maybe that's why I got stranded and how Gild and when when Gildrax found me is that there were some uh, some people who destroyed like I, maybe I was in one of some, the mobile fortresses and that fortress got blown up or yeah. something. Perhaps some sort of mind flaying beholder esque. So uh, <laughs> there is actually it's funny you should mention that there is a huge schism with the dwarves. The dwarves actually made Warforged in the in the outer space. The Warforged did not like being subservient to people. And so they threw a rebellion and managed to take over half of the dwarven controlled areas. So like the oh. Warforged now rule half. So of the Warforged have for the Adatine legions. The Adatine? The Adatine. I like that. Um they are very tyrannical. But they are also weirdly peaceable. They were like, hey, you're part of us now. You're not, like, you're part of our legion, yes? And then, like, if you say, yeah, they're like, okay, awesome. And they'll just go right by you. But if you say, like, you're like, no, I'm not joining you. They're like, oh, shame. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> Why like, is the first thing I think of the freaking... Uh, it's you're being rescued. Do not resist. Do not resist. No, the first thing I think of is freaking, like, a Viltramite. Yeah, they it's are. like, you're part of us now. Resist and you die. Exactly. That, they, that is what they are like. Um, they are also very brutal. They deliberately, they, they don't have a lot of the flaws that organic creatures have. So when in fighting in, like... The flesh uh, is weak, metal is strong. Exactly. When fighting in, like, areas like uh, uh, like the free space where, like, you actually have to breathe and stuff. And so you have cysts, like, you have your ship that actually has air inside of it. They'll deliberately remove all the air just to kill the entire crew of ships. Oh. They will be super <laughs> brutal and effective. But if you're, you know, you just peacefully surrender, they'll just take you in and treat you like a prisoner. They're not going to be like, oh, you're you're scum and villainy. No, it's, oh, you're just another prisoner. You're another uh, part of the Legion. Well, I was wondering if we could kind of, like, switch topics and talk about your personal rules as a DM. Any other, like, role mechanics, like, within the game, like, rolling or... Yeah, there's, uh, there's I one, was like, uh, like, potions... Oh yeah, the potion rule. potions are as a, as a I I don't like how potions are uh, used. So I I have a cu I have a home rule that I actually found not too long ago that I really love. Um, potions can be drank as an action or bonus action, either or. You can interchange them. If you drink it as a bonus action, you roll the two d four and add two, just like normal. 
If you drink it as an action, I say you heal the maximum amount. So you heal four plus four plus two. So you heal just 10 HP right then and there. Because that's like you taking the time to actually drink the entire bottle where bonus action is like you kind of like waterfall and chuck it behind you. Like, oh, I can't. I need to fend off all these people. But yeah, there also, I was going to ask you guys if you'd be okay with it. I love one optional rule, and that is the critical injuries in D&D. Mm -hmm. it, it, as it actually gives you consequences for fighting and going down. It's not just like, oh, I went down. Anyways, I'm going to heal back up the full and be perfectly fine. It's like, oh, no, I lost my hand. I got, I got, not, I got crit. I went down, and this guy lopped my hand off or cut my eye out. Or that fireball blew off my leg or broke my ribs, things like that. So are we going to go off the, there's like a critical injury table, right? Yes. And um, then the way that that works is, is how I, how I yeah, do it. How do you do it? I make it, I'm a lot more generous than the rules in the books are. Oh, thank heaven. Because the rules yeah, in the books, like if you take a crit, you're just taking a critical injury. I do it as you have a spell, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like, what is it? Um, what's it's that? Constitution saving throw? It's a con save. Uh, that is equal oh, to... Oh, kind of like a concentration check. Yeah, like a concentration check. Yeah, yeah. so equal check. to half the damage you've half taken. Half the damage you've taken, if it's less than 10, it's 10. So if you take 15 uh, damage, that's a DC 7. No, it's a DC 10 check. Uh, this but this is if you for take, when you go down. This is when you go down uh, or you get crit on while you are down. So if someone goes up and tries okay. to cut your throat So basically this only on the happens ground. if you're unconscious. So if somebody knocks you unconscious, you have to roll to see if you get yeah. an injury. And or if they hit you while you're unconscious, yeah. you have and to roll And by knock you unconscious, I, we mean like uh, like actual damage. Like you're being beaten on by swords and things. Not like, sleep spell, go ahead and see if you lost your eye because you hit the ground too hard. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. But like, it's like combat damage that is taken when you down. reach zero hit points or something yeah. like that. Okay. It's to that see how much your body has resisted this beating. Obviously, barbarians are a bit better than this because they're like, oh, I'm all They'll about I'm used to like taking that. this punishment. But like, like the the fighters and the wizard, not the fighters, the wizards and like the warlocks and the sorcerers, they're like, I'm not used to taking damage. Can you please <laughs> stop doing so much? I don't want to lose my tongue. How dare you? Yeah, things like <laughs> that. True, um, and there's a mult. I use the expanded list of bodily injuries because there's ones like there's broken teeth, there's uh, like uh, punctured lung, things like that, like things like broken limbs where you have to have a certain level of healing spell cast on you, or so much time has to pass to heal that wound. Um, but a lot of them are like, oh, you have like a, you you lost your finger. Um, that's not bad. You just lost your finger pretty much. But there's ones like, oh, you lost your entire arm. You can't use two-handed weapons. Anything that requires two hands, you have disadvantage on things like that. Would it lower? Would it at any point lower your maximum age? No, 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 no. no. Okay. Because I, I don't want to. I don't. It, it's some of the things are crippling enough <laughs> that I don't want it to also be like you know what? Here's some salt on top of that gaping <laughs> chest wound. <laughs> Add insult to injury. Okay. Yeah. Wait, I, I have another question for you. Again, way off topic. Sorry, I just it's threw okay. my pencil everywhere. Um, so. I'm talking lore-wise, story-wise, talking like back-to-back -back stories yeah. and things like that. How much are you going to incorporate, like, if our characters have personal goals or, like, beef with someone in our backstory, like, will you put that in the story? Or I, I want to. Okay. So the more you give me with your backstories, the more I can finagle it into the setting. So if you don't really want, like, I'm, I was on a, I was on a, primitive planet or a primal planet as they're called where like they don't have any type of spell jam or things and i just ended up in space because someone picked me up 
by accident or on purpose. Like I got or kidnapped. Like, uh, abducted by abducted by players, abducted yeah. by the aliens. Abducted like, by by aliens. Honestly, that's what I that's what I want. Um, <laughs> like, please. You could be like, oh, where am I? I don't like this place. You could be like, your whole thing is like, yeah, I literally don't know what I'm doing. And like, great, we don't have to work anything in there. But like, if you're like, I have 14 natural em- enemies that I want to get rid of. <laughs> um, here's their weaknesses, but here's they know my places. weaknesses and they know my how to explain. Yeah, I love working that kind of stuff in. So if you have like, I want to find the man who killed my father. I'm Igor this, Montoya. Uh, my name is Amigo <laughs> Montoya. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want this campaign to be linear enough that you guys can do. I want it to be like Skyrim. Oh, yeah, you're not okay. forced to do the main quest, but there's a lot of ways to accidentally do the main quest. <laughs> <laughs> of like, oh, we we went and raided this place, and we oh, you mean this dragon stone? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we that's the best line of text in that entire <laughs> oh, game. Man. Yeah, you exactly. He's like, I need you to find the dragon stone of Bleak Falls Barrow. It's like, oh, you, you mean, mean this, this old one? Stone? This one like, that I found. You've in already Bleak found it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it just like, carries on like nothing weird. Nothing has happened. weird happens. <laughs> exactly. Like you can accidentally stumble across someone holding one of the pieces of sheet music or a location. Cool. I will keep the ball rolling with plot hooks and stuff, but as far as I'm concerned, I also want you guys to do whatever you want to do. We have the reins. You have the reins. We're the ones at the helm. You guys guys are in our our spell You guys have the car. I'm just putting down the traffic signals. And that's a really good metaphor. I've never heard that. Depending on how much blinker you use, that's how much trouble (laughs) you're going to get in. Oh, my gosh. Sir, do you have any idea how fast you're going? Uh, 45 in a school zone. (laughs) (laughs) How do you handle downtime? Do you do any downtime? I love downtime activities. And actually, Spelljammer, you guys have a lot of downtime. So you dedicate about maybe 12 hours of your day actually making sure the ship's functioning. Besides the person who's actually hooked up to the the helm, which is the person who's, uh, they pretty much feel the ship is an extension of their body. And so they have to stay to that. They have to stay hooked up to uh, think of it like the like Xavier's uh, have you Cerebro, guys Cerebro yeah. from uh, from Marvel, where it's Professor Xavier sits in that thing to feel like the entire world's telepathy. You're pretty much feeling that with the ship. So they're the only ones that don't really get a lot of downtime activity. But everyone else has about 12 hours because of shifts of downtime activities. And I want you guys to be willing to learn new languages, uh, read the weird books you found in other people's ships. Maybe go explore, like, hey, we're in this sphere. I've never been to this planet before. Let's go explore it and see how it, like, if you guys can actually go and land on this planet. May it be, like, landing in the water or, like, using if you have, like, a ship that can land on land, things like that. There is a lot of ship customization. If you guys want to change things, for example, putting a serrated blade on the front of your ships for ramming maneuvers. A grapple hook cannon. To reel people in so you can do a boarding action. Whatever you're thinking, like, cannons-wise, mm-hmm. there is just wants that, but bigger. What and, I, then, uh, and then take that and make it bigger. <laughs> uh, what I've called the Arconilation, uh, Arconistillation is a large telescope that a spellcaster can spell spell slots to blast enemy ships across the way. Um, there are many weapons you can swap out on your ship, uh, from trebuchets, ballistas, cannons, uh, chuko news. If you know what that is, what is that? Yes, sir. That is a Chinese uh, ancient weapon where they t- is that the thing that fires like a bunch of arrows 50 at once? Fifty arrows, oh my with gosh, rockets <laughs> attached that's to the back that's of that it. Age of Empires technology. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mandolins, things like that. 
or as the uh, things that orcs and ogres use, scrap launches that literally just they gather random doodahs and fling it at you at terminal speeds, and hopefully <laughs> it does something. Oh, it I does. Love that. It does. Mm-hmm. Remind me the positions we have on the ship because I know we talked about like maybe choosing these positions later, but low key now I'm like, should we choose these now? That's what I was thinking about. I so think we should positions on the ship are what your character is going to be doing. There are several positions. Each one either is maybe more combat oriented, navigation oriented exploration oriented or there's the chef um <laughs> or there's the, the chef important. yeah <laughs> um so making that good for example <laughs> the cap if someone does plays the captain the captain gets to hire people using the like the hiring skilled laborers but gets a discount for it at their level one so they get a discount on hiring people and there's the every class has four ranks. The first mate is all about like relaying the captain's orders and organizing everyone, making sure everyone's on tip top positioning and like accuracy, ready to go, ready to rip. They uh they are amazing at just keeping everyone like super morale and eventually they get to buff everyone up in case of boarding actions. There is the the helmsman or the pilot. They are the person strapped to the chair. They are the ace pilot. They're the man in the chair. They are the man in the chair. They are responsible for piloting these ships. They do a lot of maneuvers and stuff, but they can't do all of it. They still need the crew to help them maneuver it, like pull the sails or do certain, like redirect power certain ways so they can steer better. They do control the ship and can get it going at ludicrous speeds. Mm -hmm. They need their crew to help them still. They're not solely sufficient. The crew still needs to dock the ship and all that. Sure. But the pilots do the maneuvers. They do the barrel rolls or the the drifting. The loop de loops. Uh, there is drifting mechanics. The wow. Is there yeah. multi track drifting? Uh, there is. Uh, you can use gravitational drifting. I see. As one does. That's mm-hmm. so cool. There is the chef, as I've talked about, which <laughs> they're not combat oriented. But they get to build recipes. And each rank, they unlock a new recipe slot. And they get to gather ingredients to make unique dishes that actually in, like embolden the, gr- the, 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 uh, the crew, giving them unique things, such as one of the dishes I've named is Dragon Breath Curry, where the crew have the effect of breathe, uh, fi- breath we- the breath weapon spell. What is it called? Uh, dragon's Breath? Yeah, Breath Dragon Weapon. Breath, yeah. yeah, Dragon's like Breath. Dragonborn. So they have that spell cast on them for the duration, pretty much. And so as an action, they can breathe fire or things like that. That's so awesome. But you have to find the ingredients to get that. So they are very driven by finding those unique ingredients or seeing if maybe, hey, we just killed this giant space octopus. Maybe there's something on here that I can turn into an ingredient. And the more ingredients they can add, the more things they can make. Um, there is the barrelman, which is the person who sits in the crow's nest. They are the navigator. They use cartographer's tools to use the map. Is, is that um, what you wanted to do, Lori? I believe that is what Lori wanted yeah, to do, is the navigator. Yeah, kind of fits yeah. Scar's astral sea. They get so used to reading the astral sea and how it's at current that they actually become in tune with it. At, and at the beginning levels, they can actually sense like weather patterns in the astral sea because the astral sea does have weather. Oh, like Druidcraft. Kind of, uh, but it's like you're omnipotent <laughs> of pretty much a day's travel around you of what you're going into. Nice. There's the engineer. They are in charge of giving her all she's got, Captain. If something drastic goes on in your ship, like you get hit in a really bad spot and you suddenly lose power, like the helm is no longer functioning. He is the guy who's going to fix that. And they are one of the most important roles only behind the helmsman. Because without the helmsman, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. 
but they are what keep the ship running. They get the, the ship gets to repair faster with them on it. They get to repair critical injuries, and then they can reroute power to certain areas or push the ship past its safe levels to do daring maneuvers or uh, to give someone advantage on something. And then there is the gunner. The gunner's a bit unique, as you can have as many gunners as a ship as you want, as you have guns. Gunners are the people who, you know, arm the big the big cannons, the guns, the trebuchets. They're the person who knows how to use those things like the back of their hand. They are very combat-oriented, and they excel at it. They might have one or two skills here and there to make sure, like, a gun doesn't stay down if it gets broken or damaged. But besides that, their, their real focus is just hitting hard and hitting a lot. And each one of these classes has four ranks. And as you guys progress, every so many levels, you will rank up in your respective rank. Could you multi-class? No. Aw, <laughs> oh, dang. So you couldn't start out I'm, as a pilot. I'm, I'm, both captain, <laughs> I'm both captain and first mate. Yeah. What now? Both. What do you do? <laughs> exactly. It's like, you, can, you can't do that because then, yeah, I'm captain, pilot, first <laughs> mate, and chef. <laughs> I'm everything. That's all so in good. one. Yeah. Dang. Wait, you are going to be our captain then? I, I, I would be willing to be aye a captain. Aye. I love aye. it. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want to be the like chef, we've said, too, though. Dude, the chef so Yeah, so the fun. chef gets to do some wacky <laughs> stuff. <laughs> the sh- I the chef, feel like my character is made for the yeah. navigator. The chef gets to do some wacky stuff. And you guys, you could just because one of you doesn't play it doesn't mean you can't hire a role. They are just substantially more expensive than an average crewmate. Such as, like, a crewmate might cost, like, two silver a week, where a dedicated gunner or a dedicated chef might cost, like, five gold a week. Ooh. What if we... Could we potentially bring in people from our backstories to join our crew? Yes. That is something that we can easily do. Because I've got a bunch of sisters. One of them's bound to be able to cook. (laughs) (laughs) Bring in the chefs. Yeah. Yeah. There's also... I have a lot of random NPCs you can encounter that would be willing to be hired. You can encounter people who may not be open to the idea at first, but you might help them or save them or do something along those lines, and they will be more open to it. We could do side quests or yes. to, like, and yeah, to, to get, get crew. Okay. Interesting. That's our first goal, is to get a chef. Get a chef. <laughs> get, get quest one, yeah. finding the find, cook. Find yeah. the cook. I love um, that. You're, you're, the first part of the campaign is going to be building a crew. As you uh, may have nice. a ship, but you do not have a crew to fly it. So you have to find a crew, and you need to find those key roles if none of you can do those key roles, like uh, the helmsman. Because the helmsman does need to specifically be a spellcaster. Oh. As, unless That's the driver, right? Yeah. I got you guys. And I'll, I'll be the driver. Okay. You'll be the driver? You'll I be just <laughs> got my permit. I just, I just learned this my today. My character's basically Watch this. Fucking old. pulls eight Very knobs young. and drifts right into a dock. Simultaneously <laughs> just does donuts. There will also be a lot of time to interact with NPCs in the long voyages because your ship does not just heal. It takes damage, and you guys can repair it like, with tiny little things, but when your ship takes damage, you need to go to a dock to actually repair repair it. And so you'll have a couple like weeks in-game to go around these docks, and each dock has a unique aesthetic things from it. Um, so I know that you can go into different like solar systems, right? Yeah, they're different spheres. So technically, in this Spelljammer campaign setting we can go anywhere within all the content of D. everything is technically canon technically yes everything i uh, if i remember right spelled the the astral sea is what connects all the planes of existence and so technically you can so um, we do have that ability to kind of go everywhere. yeah you have ability to go everywhere and there will be a lot of exploring there is uh 
also a lot of random encounters that you can have in the astral sea as it's not as empty as people make it out to be uh from things such as pirates to rogue planets that have drifted out of a sphere by just chance there is a there's a lot of things you can do in the astral sea and a lot of places you can visit and there if you guys do encounter a planet that i was not prepared for i have made a random planet generator I love that. So yes. we always maybe you can writers. maybe you can find a world that rains diamonds where diamonds are absolutely worthless to that's, them. Oh, that's perfect. But I think I can't get revivified. <laughs> I think druids do get revivified. Uh, I think I think some do. I'm not sure if all of them do. But yeah, um, is there any other questions we have? I think I'm good. I'm too. Yeah, I'm good. I'm just excited. Darjib is rearing and ready to go. 